Hey, 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 welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 42 of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan, the David Tyree episode. I am, as usual, your host, Brian Brennan, in the place to be. Happy Monday, folks. Yes, I'm doing a Monday episode. Let me explain to start off this episode why I am going back to two shows a week. Folks, I loved the episode I did on Friday uh, with Arun, where we talked about the you know a great interview with Arun, but we also talked about you know the Yankees, the Knicks, the Rangers. Loaded outro, a lot to talk about, but it was I thought it was a great episode. I really enjoyed that episode, but um, I will admit it was a little long. Uh, it was it was a lot. Uh, there was a lot of content. I appreciate everybody who has listened to all two hours and twenty seven minutes of episode forty one of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. But to avoid more marathons like that, to maybe um, help get me more listeners to this podcast, um, I am going to go back to two episodes a week for the time being. Um, I am. There's a lot to talk about now. I mean, you heard it. I had a two-hour and twenty-seven-minute episode on Friday. There are a lot. There's a lot to talk about. We've got the Knicks who are red hot, winners of nine straight. We'll be talking about that in Brian's Beloved. We'll also talk about the week for the Yankees. I'm, I'm going to be honest, folks. I am recording this intro on Saturday. The Yankees still have two more games to play against the Cleveland Indians at Jacobs Field. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But we will have a full recap of both of those games and the the first game of the uh, the Cleveland or the second game of the Cleveland series, which was played on Friday night, Yankees won that game five three. We'll recap that game as well for you on today's Brian's Beloved, and we'll also talk about the Rangers a little bit. Um, the Rangers won on Friday night. Uh, they play, I, like I said, recording on Saturday, so I'm a little ahead, a little ahead of this. The Rangers also play on Sunday against the Buffalo Sabers. We'll also have. A recap of that for you in that one. It's the first game of Achara against the Buffalo Sabres. So um, hopefully the Rangers take care of business on that as they try and fight for the playoff their playoff lives at this point. Well, also, I think I'm going to bring NYCFC into the fold for uh, Brian's Beloved. I watched some of their game today. A good portion of it, actually. I watched probably the first 60 minutes of NYCFC's game. And since, as I said in the last episode, I'm pretty down on European soccer right now. Uh, maybe this is an opportunity to get more into the MLS. So uh, we will talk about uh, NYCFC's uh, 5-0 route of FC Cincinnati today at Yankee Stadium. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that in Brian's Beloved. It's going to be great. And then we've got the outro for you guys today. We've got a loaded out, typically loaded outro where we talk about plenty of national headlines. Um, it's great. Uh, it's going to be a great episode. And uh, yeah, that's the main reason why I am going back to two episodes a week now. I, I re- again, thank you for listening to the marathon two hour and 27 minute episode. Uh, I know it's a lot and I, I have the best fans in the world, man. You guys are the best. You guys rock with me. You waited, you waited a long time for me to bring back upon further review with Brian Brennan. And uh, now we're back. I don't want to disappoint you anymore. I don't want to disappoint you guys anymore. I don't want to make you guys sit through any marathons. We're doing two episodes a week. So, uh, again, happy uh, happy Monday, uh, start of the week. You guys know this is the week I get my second COVID shot because I said that on Friday's episode. This is a big week for me, folks. There's a lot to look forward to this week uh, for Brian Brennan. Um, get my second COVID shot on Thursday, and then immediately after that, Matt Prandoni and I are going uh, to Camden Yards to uh, watch the Yankees take on the Orioles in uh, the fourth game of their four-game series 
um, at the Yards. One of my favorite places in the world, man. I love Camden Yards. Pat Stein was at Camden Yards last night. Uh, he, he texted me. He's in Baltimore, and he went to the Orioles game last night. Uh, Camden Yards is a great place. Absolutely. It's probably my favorite ballpark in baseball, excluding Yankee Stadium, of course, because that's home. Yankee Stadium is home. Uh, excluding Yankee Stadium, I love Camden Yards. I love the ballpark in San Francisco that's had a thousand freaking names. Um, Petco Park's great, but uh, Camden Yards is the ballpark that changed baseball. I can't wait to be back there on Thursday. Uh, and then that's pretty much it. I mean, I'm, I'm having a pretty good weekend so far. I've got a funny story for you guys, folks. There's a reason this episode is called the David Tyree episode. Uh, well, first off, it's episode 42. And uh, for those of you who don't know, sorry, Ethan. Sorry. Sorry. Super Bowl 42 is where the Giants beat the undefeated Patriots 17-14. to And so uh, I felt like I had to pay tribute to the hero of that game, David Tyree. One of the heroes of that game. One of the many. I could have I easily made this the Justin Tuck uh, episode, but uh, I decided to go with David Tyree. Um, but I have a funny story about that Super Bowl, and I'm glad that... Uh, I'm going to tell it because I think it's fitting for episode 42. So on Friday, you guys know I've, I walk a lot in D.C. I go for really long walks in D.C. And um, I've mentioned in past episodes that I love the Green Line Corridor of D.C. I, I usually walk from like Petworth through Columbia Heights down to U Street and then um, usually back onto the metro from there and usually work my way home. I love that walk. Um, and I love the Dunkin' Donuts in Petworth. Um, this is going to sound random, but I, you know, because there's a million Dunkin' Donuts out there, but the Dunkin' Donuts in Petworth, I love them because I don't even live in Petworth, yet they know my order. They, they make it for me the second I walk in the door. So I love that Dunkin' Donuts. And so anyways, I was there on Friday. I was doing my typical walk through the city and I was wearing my Giants shirt. It was a nice day. I was, I, and you know, as I tend to do, as I go for long walks, um, I wear clothing of teams that I root for. So I was wearing my Giants shirt. And um, I go for this, I, I stop at the Dunkin' Donuts in Petworth, and one of the workers sees my shirt, she's like, let's go Giants! And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm like, alright, cool, I don't, meet, I don't meet a ton of Giants fans in this area, folks. And I don't meet a ton of New York sports fans, period, in this area. So I was like, hell yeah! Like, and so we started talking a little bit about the Giants, um, we started talking a little bit about like you know the offseason, and you know, what they've done signing Kenny Galladay, so she's like... I've been a Giants fan my whole life, and I was like, I was like, yeah, yeah. It's like I love the Giants too. And so she was like, uh, February third, two thousand eight, which is the day of Super Bowl forty two. She was like, that was the best day of my life, and I was like, it's up there for me too. I mean, I, of course it is. It's up there for me too. Um, and then she, I'm like, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, of course it's up there for me too. And, and so she's like, um, that was the day I conceived my first child. That child was a Super Bowl baby, and it's all because of the Giants. And I was like, oh, okay. That probably didn't need to know that from some Dunkin' Donuts worker I just met two minutes ago. But uh, I was, so I was like, okay. Uh, I was like, nice. Uh, that's cool. Go Giants. Bye. And I walked out of the Dunkin' Donuts. So I thought that was kind of a funny story. I wasn't expecting, you know, like I said, I don't meet a ton of New York sports fans in this area. Uh, so I was a little surprised by that I met one and uh, that they were willing and per to share me that personal story of how they conceived their first child. But I am, 
You know, I the championships just do that, folks. A lot of children are championship babies out there, and uh, so I, I don't blame them. So I, don't, I don't blame this 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 girl for uh, having a championship baby. But um, I thought that was a funny story. Uh, I really uh, it was a good walk. Um, the rest of my walk was great. And uh, man, what a week! I mean, what what a what a week it was. Uh, I can't wait for this upcoming week. And uh, I, I know that's kind of an awkward story, but I just thought it was a little funny. And since it relates to the Giants, and since this is Super Bowl 42, figured I might as well tell you that story. So that is my, uh, my David Tyree uh, Super Bowl 42 story from this week. All right, uh, let's get into today's episode. We're going to begin with Brian's beloved. Since it worked so well last time, I mean, the Knicks are, haven't lost since we did the last Brian's beloved. I mean, they only play one game, but still... Um, we're going to keep it the way it was last time. We're going to do the Knicks first, and then we'll do the Yankees, and then we will do the Rangers, and then we will do NYCFC. That will be the order for Brian's Beloved. I'm not going to delay it any longer, folks. Let's get into today's Brian's Beloved, where we talk about your red-hot New York Knickerbockers. Here we go. All right, folks, it's time for today's rendition of Brian's Beloved, where we talk about my favorite teams and how they did this week. And, uh, folks, I know the Yankees are playing better right now. I I know the Yankees are looking good these last couple days. But it's Saturday afternoon, and the New York Knicks just won their ninth straight game. Their ninth straight game. Unbelievable, folks. 120 to 103. Over the Toronto Raptors today at Madison Square Garden for their ninth straight win. I feel like, I, I said this last episode, I'll repeat myself, I feel like I'm in delirium land right now as a Knicks fan. It does not, I mean, winning a championship would be nice, but I mean, considering where we've been for the last eight years since they last made the playoffs, this is a long time coming. This is a lot of fun, folks. I'm having a lot, I'm having a lot of fun watching this Knicks team now. We'll recap the Toronto game for you in just a second. There's only one game to recap. It's this game that just ended minutes ago against the Toronto Raptors. Uh, like I said, a 17-point victory. And um, we're going to talk about it. But before we get to the Knicks game today, folks, I only have one thing to say. are back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it feels so good. I haven't heard this song in like years, and now I'm listening to it every day. It's it's a staple in my workout playlist. Uh, the Knicks are back, folks. New York is talking about the Knicks right now. This is the buzz on New York sports radio in the headlines and the papers. People are talking about the Knicks right now. It's a beautiful thing to see. The Knicks are back. So I watched their whole game today against Toronto. I mean, I watched pretty much every game they play. I'm a diehard fan. But um, I watched the whole game today against Toronto. And uh, it was a tough one. I mean, Toronto actually came into this game on a four-game winning streak. 
So uh, something had to give. Something clearly had to give for one of these two teams to, uh, in, you know, one of the losing streaks was going to, or one of the winning streaks was going to end. So, uh, but Toronto, I thought, it's in the first three quarters at least, Toronto definitely came to play. Um, the Knicks had a four-point lead at the end of the first quarter. Julius Randle was on fire in the first half of this game. I mean, he was absolutely cooking. I, it was, it was, I mean, he, he does this night in and night out for the Knicks. And today was no different from our MVP, Julius Randle. And boy, did he get a lot of MVP chance at the Garden. Not only did he get MVP chance at the Garden, folks, got a little MVP chance here on my couch. I was chanting MVP for um, Julius Randle from home today. He deserved it, the way he played in this game. 31 points for Julius Randle. And like I said, a very strong first half for the Knicks. They had a five-point lead going into the half. Um, Toronto, um, the third quarter was pretty even. Um, It was 24 each for both teams. But the Knicks put the hammer down in the fourth quarter. Pulled away for a 120-103 to victory. And their ninth win in a row. Woo! Give me a nature boy, folks. Woo! Ah, that was awesome today. I, I barely have a voice from watching this team. I'm not usually this fired up for regular season games, but today was a different animal. A great crowd at the Garden today. They were so into it. They were chanting, like I said, they were chanting MVP for Julius. They were also chanting RJ Barrett and Derek Rose, Derek Rose and D Rose, D Rose. Oh, so nice. The energy at the Garden today was amazing. Even for a crowd that was so small, only 2,000 people absolutely loved it. That I, People have been saying, you know, like, imagine the Garden with this team if the building was at full strength, full capacity. But even with only 2,000 people, folks, that building is loud. That crowd makes some noise. Knicks fans are passionate for our best team in years. New York, we hear. That's what Julius Randle said after the game on Wednesday when they beat the Hawks in overtime. That's what I'm saying today after they beat the Toronto Raptors by 17. Let's go over the box score for your New York Knicks. I mentioned Randle had a great game. R.J. Barrett, man. You know, I did, um, I did the MSG predictor thing that they advertise before games. Uh, you know, where you can, um, you, you, it's, it's not bet. I don't want to say it's like gambling, but they, it, you make these picks. Um, like you, you. Um, they ask you, like, how many points are the Knicks going to score in the first quarter? How many points are they going to score total? Like, questions like that. And you have a chance to win uh, a jackpot prize. So, I mean, it's free, so that's why I do it. And um, one of the questions they asked today was, how many points is R.J. Barrett going to score? I actually undersold R.J. in this one. I said he was going to score 21 points. R.J. had 25. And some real nice, uh, you know, put-away moments, some great buckets from RJ. RJ came out motivated, determined, strong in this game. 25 points, 12 rebounds as well. Maybe he just likes playing the Canadian team. Maybe, you know, he's from Toronto. He was born in Toronto. Maybe RJ Barrett just gets a kick out of playing his hometown squad. Maybe that's it. But he had a great game today. Uh, Reggie Black. You knew it was coming, folks. Reggie Black. It's kind of funny because I was watching the MSG broadcast of this game, and uh, Kenny, it was Kenny and Clyde today, and Kenny was saying, 
Right. It was it, it was kind of funny because Kenny was like, Reggie Bullock made one three pointer in the first quarter and he hasn't made one since. And then not like I swear, like seconds after that, Reggie Bullock turns around and drains two three pointers. And uh, they were big. They were, you know, I, there's been a lot of talk the last couple of days about the Julius Randle Reggie Bullock partnership. The two of them work very well together. I, I think um, they have good chemistry. And uh, that's something I have to say about this team, folks. The chemistry on this team is amazing. Like, it is just incredible. They all seem to love each other. They all seem to get along. They, it's funny because Julius Randle will be doing, like, his post-game press conferences and Obi Toppin uh, will crash it and Theo Pinson will crash it. The chemistry on this team is great. You see it in the love they have for each other. This team, legit, they're a brotherhood. They go 15 strong. The chemistry on this team is top Notch, and it's and it's no better between two players than Julius Randle and Reggie Black. Sixteen points for Reggie in this one. Um, Nerlens Noel. I want to talk about Nerlens Noel in this game um, because he didn't have a great offensive game. He only scored one point, but um, it doesn't have how many blocks he had here on the ESPN. That's kind of bad from ESPN. I kind of wish they would tell me how many blocks Nerlens Noel had, but I know he had several big ones, including one, just huge one in the fourth quarter. Um, his defense is, cannot be understated for this team. Nerlens Noel does a great job defensively for the team. Offensively, he's not great, but defensively, Nerlens Noel is great. Now, Alfred Payton started this game. It doesn't really matter because of how great Derrick Rose played off the bench. I mean, Derrick Rose was the closer in this one. Um, but there was a lot of, um, I was reading uh, Nick's Facebook, as I'm prone to do during their games, and uh, there was a lot of, get Alfred Payton off this team, get Alfred Payton off this team, he's fucking useless, and people like that, just commenting on how much they can't stand Alfred Payton. And honestly, like, he played 15 minutes today, Derrick Rose was the point guard star for the game, for the Knicks in this one. At this point, like, do you consider putting D. Rose in the starting lineup? I don't know if I would mess with what's working. I mean, they've won nine games in a row. So I don't know if I would mess with what's working going forward. But D. Rose is on fire right now. They said going into this game he had averaged 20 points per game in his last three. He came close to that today. He scored 19. Some big buckets. D. Rose was huge for the Knicks. In this. That's why the Garden crowd was chanting this, his name. Could you imagine in 2017... After what happened with D. Rose the first time he was on the Knicks, where he disappeared, nobody knew where he was, after that whole ordeal, could you have imagined four years later, in 2021, the Madison Square Garden crowd would be chanting Derrick Rose's name? Could not have imagined that in my wildest dreams. I hated Derrick Rose when he first came here. I was so pissed at him for how he just disappeared and bailed on the team. And I, I couldn't forgive him for that. But like I said in the last episode, his veteran presence on this team cannot be understated. The way he, the way he you know, mentors the young kids. Not even the, just the rookies, but I feel like he's got definitely having an impact on R.J. Barrett too. I mean, Derrick Rose. I know I said this a thousand times last episode, but what more can you say about Derrick Rose, folks? He's just great. Uh, Taj Gibson. Um, now Taj came into this game, uh, he got poked in the eye pretty badly in the Hawks game, and, uh, it still looked really bad. They were showing his eye before the game, and it was, 
the exact words I used to Sam Carr uh, when I was texting him before this game, <laughs> the exact words I used to describe Tom Gibson's eyes were uh, more red than the devil is, as Kanye West would say. And um, so Taj was coming off the bench in this one. Um, he did his thing. He scored nine points, got five boards. And that look, I love Taj Gibson, man. He is just the representation of the, t- the heart and hustle of this team. Taj Gibson, the pride of Fort Greene. They're showing it. I'm watching the postgame show on MSG right now. People are celebrating outside the garden after this win. People are just, they don't want to go home. They don't, don't want to go home. It's one of those victories. You just don't want to go home because you're too happy. Ugh. One last thing, uh, one last player I'll mention. I mean, quickly was okay today. He had six points. But Obi Toppin, man. Obi Toppin, what's popping in the fourth quarter with nine huge points, including some, some big three-pointers from Obi Toppin. Now, he made three three-pointers for his nine points, and they were all huge Obi's been kind of scrutinized this year. He has he's definitely not been as good as Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, I think that's a little unfair to ask because Emmanuel Quickly's just come in and been so good. And rookies take time to develop. But um, Obi Toppin with a big game today. Obi Toppin, what's popping? What's popping, Toppin? Yeah. This was a good one, folks. I mentioned Toronto. Uh, the first couple quarters, um, the first couple quarters, they were playing pretty well. Pascal Siakam had 26 points for them. We were actually talking because um, this game was actually nationally televised on ESPN. So uh, some of the guys in my group chat, Arun and Mike, they were able to watch this game, and we were talking about Pascal Siakam, and Arun was like, "Pascal Siakam is so bad now." But he did have 26 points in this game, and you, you, he did, he has kind of slipped. So. Um, I get where Arun's coming from, but Pascal did have a nice day today. OG Ananobi had 27 points, and Fred Van Vliet had 27 points of his own, including three, five three-pointers. Ananobi made six three-pointers. Damn. But uh, the rest of this team, man, the rest of this Raptor squad is not very good. Uh, I mentioned in my video that I posted uh, on Friday that uh, Boucher was going to be, or Bouchard, I'm not sure which one it is, their starting center was going to be out for this one. So uh, they went with Birch. He wasn't that good, honestly. He doesn't look like a great player. Kyle Lowry only had four points. One of ten. Wow. Over oh, eight from three. Wow. That's just oof. Uh, looking at the team stats here, uh, Nick's shot 56% from the field. That's great. And 51% from three. 16 of 31. That's great. That's great. And um, they were talking about it. You know, it's kind of funny. Um, they were talking about this. Um, at halftime, because uh, you guys know I watched the MSG broadcast, they were talking about this, how the Knicks, had, at, going into the half, had only shot four free throws in this game. They ended up getting 20 more in the second half and going 20 of 24 from the line. Um, yeah, great win. Uh, I'm really fired up. Uh, I had a lot of coffee today, so I think that's the main reason I'm more fired up than normal folks. But uh, I'm definitely very happy about the Knicks. Um and you just got to keep going, man. Like, nine, man. Turn the six upside down. It's a nine now, as Drake would say. Noted Toronto Raptors fan. What a win, man. Uh, what a, a great couple of weeks to be a Knicks fan. This is the only game to recap, by the way. Today's game against the Toronto Raptors. This is the only Knicks game we have to recap. But I will um, preview the next two games for you. Um, they play the Phoenix Suns on Monday. Now, if you listen to... Um, the last episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brendan with Arun, I, I said that um, 
I, I kind of, I don't want to say I feel like this is where the streak ends. But the Phoenix Suns are a damn good team. It's going to be really tough. Um, but, like, man, the crowd at these games has just been fantastic. And so maybe that'll spark the team, you know, get them on fire once again. I'm looking, it's a big one. It's a Monday night Knicks game. I, I, I love it. I love it. Let's go Knicks. Win that game. Make it 10. Could you imagine if the Knicks had a 10-game winning streak? Uh, look, this is incredible right now. I, I love it. The, the, the Knicks are the talk of the town. The Brooklyn Nets have Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. Three of the best players in this league. And nobody gives a fuck in New York. Nobody gives a shit about the Nets in New York. They are irrelevant. They might as well be the Islanders. No offense to Pat Honan and the Islanders fans. But the Nets might as well be the Islanders. Or the Devils or something. Nobody cares about the Brooklyn Nets. Even though they have three of the best players in the league. This is a Knicks town. New York has always been a Knicks town. And it's coming back in a big way. The vibe of the Knicks in the city. I wish I was there now, folks. I, I, I'm getting the vibes. I'm feeling the vibes down here in D.C. But um, it would be great to be home right now so I could celebrate this team, man. What a, I'm so proud of them. Oh, what, a, what a season. In our wildest dreams could we have expected them. If you had told me the Knicks would be 34 and 27, seven games over 500, the four seed in the Eastern Conference, I would have honestly just laughed in your face. I would have laughed in your face. That makes sense. I wouldn't have believed it myself. And I'm the biggest Knicks fan out there. It's amazing. I, I'm so proud of them. Um, so then uh, after the Suns game, like I said, I'm hoping they win that game, but it's going to be tough. Um, even though it is at home, uh, after that Suns game, they play the Bulls on Wednesday. Um, that's going to be tough because Chicago needs to win every game possible before they, uh, before to try and get into the play. And they're fighting with the Raptors who the Knicks beat today and the Washington Wizards who are on fire in their own right. Uh, at the time of this recording, the Wizards have won seven straight games. I know they have a game tomorrow, so we'll see how they do in that one. But uh, the Wizards have been playing some great basketball. They even talked about it on the Knicks on the halftime show, how great the Wizards are playing. So um, we're going to try and help you out. Like I said, we already helped you out today with, by beating the Raptors. So uh, we'll try and help you out once again by beating the Bulls uh, on Wednesday. And then after Wednesday's game, this, I really don't love this schedule. Like, I really don't love the end of the Knicks, like the schedule. How, uh, not really who they play. You can't really control that. But how the schedule is set up. Because they play the Bulls on Wednesday. And then they're off until Sunday at 8 p.m. Are you... Like, why does that make any sense? And I, I worry about that. Because, yeah, I don't know how they're going to do against the Suns and Bulls. But uh, if, they, if it's anything like how they've been playing the last couple of uh, weeks or so. I, wor- I worry that that might slow the momentum down to this team. Um, I, I worry about that for sure with the, with, uh, with a long layoff like that. Uh, Wednesday to Sunday is a lot of time without playing basketball. So um, take care of business against the Phoenix Suns. It's going to be tough. Take care of business against the Chicago Bulls. And go into that West Coast road trip. I'll tell you, we'll, we'll preview these games later. Obviously, this is still a while, uh, while out. But um, the Knicks um, play the Rockets on Sunday at 8 o'clock. The Knicks play the Grizzlies on Monday at 9 o'clock. 
And then after that, they go to Denver on Wednesday the 5th to play the Nuggets at 9 o'clock. Then they play the Phoenix Suns again. This time it's in Phoenix. That's a 10 o'clock game on a Friday night. That's good, so I'll be able to stay up. Uh, That game starts at 10 on Friday the 7th. And then they play the Clippers on Sunday at a 3.30 tip. Uh, And um, then they play the Lakers to close out the road trip in L.A. Tuesday, May 11th. So that's not going to be easy. That's definitely not going to be easy. So get your wins while you can get them. Because I think that road trip is going to be tough. But uh, I am so happy with this team. I'm so proud of them. I love this team. I love the Knicks. I love New York. I love my city, folks. I love this Knicks team. They are making us proud to be New Yorkers. And I only have one last thing to say. We are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. Let's talk about the Yankees and the Rangers. All right, folks, the week for the Yankees is over. They just finished a four-game series with the Cleveland Indians, winning three out of four, lost the last game of the series, but won the first three You will take that, folks, especially with the way this team was playing before this series in Cleveland. You will absolutely take three out of four against the Cleveland Indians. I I mean, look, I would have loved all four. I would have loved to have won this game today. I'm recording on Sunday. I would have loved to have won this game today and completed a four-game sweep of the Indians. But um, I will take three out of four. Uh, Let's recap some of these games. Um, you guys heard me recap the first game of the Cleveland series uh, in uh, Friday's episode uh, where we talked about how the Yankees came back from a 3-0 deficit uh, in the first game. Domingo Herman pitched very well. He settled down very nicely in that game. I thought uh, Domingo was great after the first inning. He was terrible in the first inning, but other than that, Domingo Herman really settled down. We don't need to go into that game a whole lot because obviously I recapped it on uh, the last episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. So let's Go into the second game of the Cleveland series, where once again, Yankees found themselves in an early hole. Uh, Jordan Montgomery started this game for the Bombers. Uh, you guys know I'm a big fan of Jordan Montgomery. I think he uh, adds a lot. I could at least potentially add a lot to this team. I mean, he, uh, I, like I've said, at times he reminds me of a young Andy Pettit. Uh, but in the first inning, um, it wasn't great for the Yankees. Again, um, they got to um, they got to Montgomery early and often in, in the first inning. Uh, the Indians um, it started uh, with Fran Mil Reyes. He hit an RBI double to make it one nothing. Rosario uh, grounded out. Uh, that was the second run, and he was uh, get the second run score to make it two nothing. And um, I forgot, I forgot. Sorry, just go back to the Fran Mil Reyes's double. Um, I was. Um, at this time of uh, the game, I was playing uh, game night with my family. I finally made it to a game night, folks. Finally made it to one of my family game nights this week. I finally was like, I don't care if the Yankees are playing. I'm going this week. I need to go this week. Uh, and when um, Fran Mil Reyes hit that RBI double in the first inning, I was like, I was, and bear in mind, I'm talking, I'm on a call with my family here, like the people I love the most in the world. Uh, well, the ball went over Frazier's head. Frazier kind of misjudged it. I will, like, look, I'm looking at it right now. He clearly misjudged it. I, I was like, come on! I was like, are you kidding me? 
And my family was like, either play game night or go watch the Yankee game. So uh, after that, I had to settle down for a little while and play game night with my family. And I wasn't as, lo- I wasn't as locked into this one. Um, but the Indians, like I said, they scored three runs in this inning. Uh, Ahmed Rosario drove in the third run uh, with an RBI single uh, to make it 3-0. But uh, the good thing was uh, Yankees bounced back in a big way in the top of the second. Uh, now, I want to point something out. Uh, you're going to notice this uh, for the rest, of the, ser- the rest of the Cleveland series as we recap it. Every run the Yankees scored in the games on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday was via the home run. It started in the top of the second inning of this game when Aaron Hicks hit uh, a home run to dead center off of Logan Allen. Um, you know, that's, I think Frazier, I, I'm sorry, Hicks, I get my struggling outfielders mixed up every now and then. Um, I think that was big for Hicks. Um, I really do. I, you know, he's been looking for a big moment like that to kind of like break out. And then, um, so that was good. That made it 3-1. And then uh, Odor. You are odorific, my man. Uh, I don't hate that home run. I, I'm starting to hate that home run call a little bit less and less, maybe because I'm hearing it more and more these last couple of days. But Rugnet Odor hit a long two-run home run to tie this game not long after um, Aaron Hicks hit the first home run. That made it 3-3. Um, yeah, Yankees, when they hit home runs, they win, folks. I mean, that's just how it is. When this team is hitting the long ball, that's what they do best. I mean, I love the bullpen of this team. I think that's one of the main strengths of this team. But the main strength of the offensive portion of this team is hitting the long ball. Hitting the ball a long freaking way. So that made it 3-3. And then at the top of the third, uh, Giancarlo hit this, like, whew, like frozen rope, pew, line drive uh, that got out of here in a microsecond uh, to make it 4-3 Yankees. Uh, it was a bomb to left field, like, pew, like I'm looking at it right now, pew, into the seats. Like, blink and you miss it, it's gone. 4-3 Yankees, big home run for Stanton. And Stanton did it once again in the top of the fifth inning. He scored. He drove in the last run of this game with an opposite field home run, his second of the game. So Stanton, he had been benched. You remember he was benched in the first game of the series um, because he had been struggling. So Stanton answered the critics in this one. That home run made it 5-3. Now, Montgomery, he pitched four and two-thirds innings. Um... He gave up four hits, three earned runs, and struck out five. He did good. Unfortunately, he didn't pitch, get the win. Um, they, um, the Indians had, I believe, the tying run on second in the bottom of the fifth inning with two outs. Fran Mil Reyes came up. And, um, you know, this move kind of reminded me. I know this is an April regular season game. It's nothing compared to the 2000 World Series. But it did kind of remind me of when... Um, Tory was like, I'm not letting Danny Nagel pitch to Mike Piazza again. Like he already took him deep. I'm already, I'm gonna take Nagel out of this game and put in David Cohn. This is kind of how it felt like that for me. Montgomery had been beaten by Reyes before, and uh, uh, Aaron Boone was like, I'm not gonna let Jordan Montgomery get beat. So unfortunately, I sh- I'm sure Jordan would have wanted the win. He only needed one more out to get it, but unfortunately, they took him out. Lucas Litke came in. He struck out Reyes, ended the inning, got out of the jam. Maybe he didn't strike him out, but he did get Reyes out. Um, and L- Litke, man, I, we gotta give, let's give a little bit of love to Lucas Litke. Uh, he had been out of the league since, I think, 2015, and he has come back with the Yankees, and he picked up his first win in over 2,000 days. That is awesome. That is great for Lucas Litke. I'm very happy for him. Darren O'Day pitched a clean inning. Chad Green gave up a hit, but other than that, no damage, and it rolled as Chapman once again. 
shut it down. There's been a lot of talk about Chapman lately. Is he the best reliever in Major League Baseball? Um, I think right now, I mean, there's, he's unstoppable, man. Like, some, of the, some of his pitches are just straight up unhittable. They're filthy sometimes. Like, he just, like, they're chasing it and they're lost when they're up against Chapman. Like, Chapman just makes it look so easy sometimes. And so, yeah, uh, this was a good game. Uh, I mentioned all the home runs the Yankees hit. Uh, Hicks, Odor, and two from Stanton. Uh, that was awesome. Um, like I said, this team, when they hit home runs, they, um, they win games. So, yeah, another 3 nothing comeback uh, in this game. Uh, like I said, the first game of the series, they were down 3 nothing. They came back and won. Second game of the series, they were down 3 nothing. came back and won. Uh, so, great win. Ball game over. Yankees win. Uh, you'll take, you will absolutely take that second win of the series. And congratulations again to Lucas Litke on picking up his first win in over 2,000 days. Uh, so the sec, the third game of the series was the one everybody was looking forward to. I mean, this was the, uh, yeah, you hear the cars outside. They were, they, they agree with me. This was the matchup of the year. Um, Cole versus Bieber. Two of the best pitchers in the American League. Arguably the two best pitchers. In the American League, going at it mano a mano. Now, last time these two faced off was in the wild card round last year in the playoffs, and the Yankees played the Indians. They swept them. They won in two games. Um, but in the first game of that series, it was Cole versus Bieber, and uh, Garrett Cole not only outpitched Shane Bieber by a lot. I think he struck out 13 in that game. Uh, Garrett Cole uh, was much better, and the Yankees just crushed Shane Bieber. Like, they got hit after hit and dominating offensive performance in that playoff game. This was a little bit more of what we expected when these two uh, took the hill against each other. This was a pitcher's duel, a great pitcher's duel. But like I said, two of the best in the game. 2-1 final in this one. Some great. This is my kind of baseball game, folks. I love the home run. Chicks dig the long ball. I like a good pitched game. And this is what we got tonight. Cole was phenomenal, folks. What, what more can we say? He's just... The Yankees have an ace. The Yankees finally have an ace. A legitimate, number one, no doubt, one of the best pitchers in the whole sport. Cole went out there and shoved it in this game, folks. Seven innings pitched, only three hits allowed, one run allowed, and struck out 11. That's what I'm talking about from Cole, baby. I love Cole Day. So, yeah, not a whole lot of offense from the Yankees in this one because, like I said, they were going up against Shane Bieber. They only got five hits all game. Uh, But they did get two home runs once again um, in the fifth inning uh, from the two two guys who homered the night before. Uh, Aaron Hicks hit a home run. That tied the game to make it 1-1 in the fifth inning. Um... And um, so, yeah, again, that's good for Hicks. Um, he, you know, we want him to build confidence, uh, especially after his early season struggles and the fans hating on him. I will never complain about Aaron Hicks hitting a home run back-to-back days. That's pretty good. I'll take that. Um, so Hicks hits a home run first, and then two outs are made, and then Rodan Odor comes up, and uh, Odor crushes one to dead center field to give the Yankees the lead. Odor again, man. He got the big hit on Thursday, hit the home run on Friday, hits the home run in the Saturday game. He's maybe making a lot of fans eat their words for their early criticisms of Rugnet Odor, I would say, because he's, uh, he's doing a good job. He's driving in runs. He, I mean, that, was, that would prove to be the difference in the game. Rugnet Odor's solo home run, another 
technically speaking, a game-winning hit for Rubnet Odor once again. So yeah, Odor has been a big positive this week for the Yankees with his power hitting, at least. He's hitting big home runs. He got a big hit on Thursday. Um, what more can you ask for for a guy they basically took a flyer on? So um, Justin Wilson came in in the seventh. He got the first two outs. And then um, jo- Jonathan Loisega, or, or sorry, he gets the first two, first two outs of the eighth. I'm sorry, Justin Wilson got the first two outs of the eighth. I forgot Cole pitched seven. Uh, and then Loisega came in uh, for his, uh, he was, I believe this was his first career save or first career save opportunity. One of this, it was his first four out save opportunity. Now, if you guys remember, I've always been a fan of Loisega. Uh, I always thought he had the stuff to be either a solid starting pitcher if they wanted to go that route or a, a great reliever, and four up, four down for Loisaga. He did, what a great job. Loisaga this season, other than when he gave up the home run to Wendell on that Saturday game at the stadium, has been fantastic this season. He looks like a young Mo out there, man. Like He looks like a young Mariano Rivera. Well-pitched game from the Yankees, even without their top, the top relievers. Like I said, uh, Loiza closed this one out because Chapman had pitched the last two days. They had to give Chapman a day off uh, or he would have been overused a whole lot. Um, Chad Green was unavailable too. That's why they went to Wilson for the first two outs of the eighth inning and then Loiza go for the four-out save. A well-pitched game for the Yankees in this one. Uh, I'll give Bieber credit. Bieber was very good too. He pitched seven innings as well. Only four hits allowed. Two runs, the two home runs to Hicks and Odor. And uh, nine strikeouts. Um, Bieber's great too. Like, like I said, triple crown winner last year, a great pitcher, arguably one of the best pitchers in the American league for sure. A reigning Cy Young award winner, but Cole was better today. Cole is going to be better than you most days, folks. Like Cole is just that good. He's that much dominant. He's that dominant. He's that much better than everyone else. Like he is really, really special. And I'm glad to have him on my team. Yankees win this game two to one. You love close wins like that. Um, Three in a row at that point. Um, and like I said, the team had been struggling, obviously. You heard me talk about it in uh, previous episodes of uh, Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan, how, how much this team had struggled to start the season. That was the first three-game winning streak the team had been on all year. So uh, that was a big win. Was, you, know, you, you beat Bieber. Um, you, get, you win on Cole Day. Uh, I'll take it. Three in a row for the Yankees at that point uh, against Cleveland. And... Um, Honestly, going into this game that just ended a few minutes ago, folks, I I don't want you know I'm never I don't want to say like I'm ha- I, I'd be okay with the Yankees losing. I'm never okay with the Yankees losing, but um, I can kind of I can be I can live with losing this last game in Cleveland. I'm not like tearing my hair out. I wasn't yelling at the TV or anything. At that point, they had already taken care of business in the Cleveland series. They had pretty much shut them down for the first three games. Um, other than those first innings in the first two games, they really had not done any damage at all. So I'm okay with. I'm not. I'm not going to cry too much. Too much over losing this last game uh, at Jacobs Field today. Um, the Indians won seven to three. Uh, Jamison Tyone started this game for the Yankees and started out good. He did look good to start out. Um, he the first three innings were uh, shutout innings for Tyone, but then the fourth inning was just. Whew, so the Yankees took a 3-0 lead uh, in the fourth inning, um, the top of the fourth inning. Uh, they went back-to-back in a belly-to-belly, as John Sterling would say, uh, when, um, who was it? It was, um, sorry, 
Uh, Gio Urshela hit the first home run. Uh, I've mentioned Gio. He's done a lot better uh, lately. He's been hitting very well. Uh, that It was a two-run home run. That made it 2 nothing Yankees. And Mike Ford. I don't pop Molly. I rock Mike Ford, as Jay-Z would say. I think he said Tom Ford. I'm saying Mike Ford. Um, yeah, uh, Mike Ford hit a long home run to make it 3 nothing Yankees. So you're like, okay, great. You know, ho-hum. They're going to complete the sweep. Uh, but no, actually, um, the Indians uh, scored four in the bottom of the fourth inning uh, to retake the lead. Uh, it, did, it was not good. Uh, not good pitching from Tyone. Like I said, he had pitched very well. I don't know what it is with Tyone and Kluber. They can pitch well for like the first couple innings, and they just seem to fall apart. I don't know what it is. These guys just like seem to like lose it like after a certain point. And Tyone seems to lo- lose it in the fourth inning of this one. He gave up an RBI single to Eddie Rosario, and then Franmil Reyes hit a long three-run home run to right field, an opposite field shot. Reyes again, he crushed it in this series uh, for the uh, for um, the Indians. Like he was one of the guys who actually played well for the Indians. He got his first two triples um, of his career uh, on Saturday and in the game today. Uh, he also stole the first base of his career. I remember they were even talking about it on the uh, Yankee broadcast. Paul O'Neill was like, Gary Sanchez, like, how are you going to steal a base off me? Come on. Oh, man. So uh, it was a good series for Reyes for the Indians. Uh, And then the Indians just scored the rest of the runs from there. Nick Nelson came in after Tyone. And I was talking to Pat Honan about this uh, during the game. We were both basically like, why the hell is Nick Nelson in this game right now? We were like, what is the point of putting, like, you want to, they basically punted the game at that point by putting Nick Nelson in. Uh, instead, uh, instead of a uh, more high leverage guy, like maybe a Luis Sessa. We, the guy that first came to mind for Pat and I was Luis Sessa. We were like, why is Sessa not in the game? Why is Nick Nelson in the game? And I had talked you know, positively about Nick Nelson at the start of the season. I even tweeted that I think he'll have a big role for this team. His wife even liked my tweet. He, and so that was kind of cool. So I was like, hey, I, I kind of I feel a little bit of a connection to Nick Nelson now. So, um, but man, he was bad. In this outing, he has not been good. In his last couple of outings, uh, he gave up uh, how many runs? I think he gave up three runs total. Uh, yeah, Nelson gave up three runs. That made it seven to three, uh, Indians. And then Sessa, like like I said, Pat and I were talking about this. Why not just go to Sessa in the first place? Like Sessa is has been money all season, and it, it can get you out of jams. Why not go to Sessa? Why are you going to Nick Nelson? No offense to Nick Nelson, but he has been trash his last couple of outings. Yeah. So uh, Yankees lose this game 7-3. Uh, to three. Uh, I do have one last thing I want to talk about um, for the Indians in this game. Uh, their reliever, uh, Karinchuk. This guy's really good. Like, this guy is a beast. Uh, he's got electric stuff. Uh, he struck out the side on in Saturday night's game, and then he came in and struck out the side in today's game, too. Um, now, the one thing they were talking about on the Yes Network broadcast was the energy he brings when he's on the mound. Because he was talking to himself, he was running off the mound, he was jumping up and down, he was getting really excited. Paul O'Neill, I feel like, wasn't a huge fan of it. Paul O'Neill was kind of like, ah, I'm not the biggest fan of those antics. Like, uh, you know, act like you've been there, kid. Um, but I personally don't care. I like that. I like seeing players get hype. Um, I don't care if you're up by seven, three or whatever. I, I, I would, I'm okay 
with Karinchuk getting hype. And clearly he's got electric stuff, so I can't hate on that. I love great pitching. He's got electric stuff. So uh, I, as much as I love Paul O'Neill, I unfortunately have to disagree with him here. I think his antics are fine. Uh, and I, I, I encourage more players to be more, uh, more lively like that. I, I like it a lot. So, yeah. Um, can't really complain a whole lot. Uh, they won three out of four. And where, with where the team had been before this series, really struggling. I mean, they were one and six in their last seven games before this series. And to win three out of four, I think it's a good step in the right direction. I think the Yankees are going to get back on track. Um, I think, um, now that, um, I think this is a step in the right direction for sure, um, you got to beat teams you're better than. And the Yankees are definitely better than the Indians. I mean, no offense to um, my friends who are Cleveland Indians fans like Natalie and Scott, but um, you, your, your team's not very good this year. No offense. Like, you traded Lindor. You, know, you, lost a good, you lost some good players. It's going to be a, a long season in Cleveland, I feel. Um, so it's good that the Yankees won these three games. Um, they're better than the Indians. And... Um, can't complain about taking three out of four in a series. So um, next up for the Bombers, uh, they go to Baltimore. Uh, they go to Camden Yards for a four-game series against the Orioles. Uh, the first game is Monday at 7.05. It'll be Davey Garcia. I am so excited for this, folks. Davey Garcia, um, for those of you who don't know, um, I he's a great young pitcher in the Yankees organization. Uh, he's got electric stuff like Karinchuk. Davey Garcia has electric stuff on the mound. Um, so if you know, not I, I, he's a, a really fun pitcher to watch. He'll be going up against the Dark Knight, Matt Harvey. Man, how the mighty have fallen! Remember when Matt Harvey was the king of New York? You couldn't even touch Matt Harvey in this town, and now look, he's like the Orioles' fifth starter. He's one in one with a five point one two ERA. <laughs> so that's your pitching matchup uh, for Monday's game, April twenty sixth today. The day you'll be listening to this, uh, the day the podcast drops. Tuesday's game is uh, Corey Kluber against Zimmerman. I don't know his uh, first name uh, for the Orioles. Um, that game's going to be tough, man. Um, I, well, I don't think it's going to be tough for the Yankees. It's going to be tough for me because um, it's on Picks 11. And I discovered this uh, on Friday night when the Yankees were on Picks 11. When the Yankees are on Channel 11, they don't show the games on the Yes app. I love the Yes app, by the way. The Yes app is tremendous. I get no money out of saying this, but I think the Yes app uh, is really good. So if you have the Yes network, download the Yes app. But unfortunately, PIX11 games are not included on the Yes app. And uh, the other problem with that is I also have MLB TV, but um, the Orioles are blacked out for me uh, because I live very close to Baltimore. So the Orioles are blacked out for me. So I'm basically going to have to find an illegal streaming site for this Yankee game on Tuesday. Uh, not fun. I hate, I hate that it has to come to this. But I'm going to have to find an illegal streaming site, and it's going to suck. Um, so that's the Tuesday game of the series. The Wednesday game of the series is Domingo Herman, like I said, coming off his best Yankee start against the Cleveland Indians on uh, Thursday. Um, he'll be going up against TBD. Uh, we don't know who is starting for the Orioles yet at this point. Uh, and then the Thursday game. I will be at this game, as you heard in the intro of this episode with Matt Prandoni. Uh, according to this, Jordan Montgomery is starting. Now, that's kind of a bummer because um, 
I had heard that Garrett Cole was starting this game originally. So uh, it sounds like they're going to not pitch Cole in the day game. They're going to save him for the next game, uh, a night game against the Detroit Tigers at back at the stadium. Um, so um, I'm bummed I won't be seeing Cole, but I am happy I will be seeing the young Pettit, Jordan Montgomery. Uh, and uh, that should be awesome. He's going up against Joe Lopez. Uh, might be Jorge Lopez. It, yeah, Jorge Lopez for the Orioles. That is the four-game series uh, at Camden Yards. But let's take, let's sweep, honestly. Sorry, Orioles fans. Sorry, Tim. Uh, let's sweep. Let's let's just go into Camden Yards and kick some ass. Like, let's kick ass and take names. This is what the Yankees usually do when they go into Camden Yards. The Yankees own the Orioles. They had some trouble with them a little bit last year, but for the most part, in recent history, the Yankees have completely dominated the Baltimore Orioles. Labor Torres is like a 500 hitter against the Orioles. He crushes them. Like, I remember Gary Thorne when he was the Orioles announcer before they stupidly fired him. Um, he was like, ah, enough of Glaber Torres. He had had enough of Glaber Torres by that point. I remember the 2019 season, Glaber was just destroying the Orioles every game. It felt like he was going deep. So um, more of that, please. Uh, sorry to my friends who are Orioles fans, but... Um, Three out of four at the bare minimum or a sweep in the series for the Yankees. I know the Orioles just ended the Athletics' 13-game winning streak today uh, at Camden Yards. We watched it. Tim Clark actually came over today, and we watched a little bit. And Michael Edgley, too. Uh, we came up, both of them came over for a little bit, and we watched the, um, the Orioles game on my iPad. So um, we watched the Orioles end, their, um, end the Athletics' winning streak. So the Orioles are going into the series on a win. Uh, I don't want to discount that. You know They'll probably want to try and start a winning streak. And they do, at this point, have the same record as the Yankees. Both teams are 9-12. and 12. So, um, yeah, uh, that's, that's pretty much it. I you know, expect the Yankees to, even, despite all that, I, I still expect the Yankees to take care of business against Baltimore. Uh, Got to beat teams you're better than. The Yankees are much better than the Orioles. Um, they won two out of three at the stadium. So I'm expecting three out of four or a sweep at Camden Yards. Uh, and then we will preview um, next week. Uh, we've got Friday, on Friday's episode for the Yankees, we'll preview, uh, we'll recap the Baltimore series. I'll tell you about my experience going to Camden Yards with Matt Pranzoni. And um, we'll also talk about, uh, we'll preview the series against Detroit, the series against Houston, the big one, big, big, big series against Houston at the stadium. As you know, I have tickets for the day game of that series. I'll be back in New York. I can't wait. Uh, can't wait to poo Altuve. I, I heard Altuve's dealing with some COVID issues. Um, so um, I hope he's able to play uh, just for the si simple reason that I want to boo him when he's at Yankee Stadium. But uh, we'll take care of all that in the next coming games. That's just your recap for the Yankees, uh, their four-game series against the Cleveland Indians, and a quick preview of the Baltimore series. Let's talk a little bit about the week for the Rangers. All right, folks, the Rangers just wrapped up their last game of the week against the Buffalo Sabres, a 6-3 victory, a big victory for the Blue Shirts, folks. I'll talk about that more in a second. Uh, I'm going to try and go as short as I possibly can on the Rangers segment because I've already recorded the rest of the episode, and um, it's already quite long, as usual. So uh, I will try and go as short as I possibly can when talking about the Rangers, um, but uh I always say that, and then I always go long, but uh, we'll, so we'll see how this goes. The Rangers had two games 
this weekend. Uh, we'll recap both of them. Uh, the first one was the second end of the Chara against the Phil. You know what, folks? I'm in a giving mood tonight. So I'm going to tell you exactly why I call back-to-backs in the NHL Charas. You're going to learn something tonight, folks. Are you ready for this? You ready to learn what a Chara means? I'm going to tell you what a Chara means, folks. So I'm not going to name names here, but um, a couple years ago, I was watching the National Hockey League playoffs with some friends of mine. Michael Edgley was there. Tim Clark was there. A few other people. Arun might have been there. We were watching um, the NHL playoffs, and a couple other people were there. And we had one person there. I won't name his name. Um, just to protect him, but um, he's a big Boston Bruins fan. It's not Ethan Winter. Don't worry. It's not Ethan Winter. I'll say it that much. It's not Ethan, but um, this huge Boston Bruins fan, we were watching the Bruins play in the NHL playoffs, and he kept saying over and over and over again, Chara really wants to go back-to-back before his career's over. Like, Chara really wants to go back-to-back and then retire. And Chara hadn't even won the first one yet of the back-to-back. So that is why I call back-to-backs in the NHL char. It all stemmed from my friend, the Bruins fan, who I won't, I won't give his name out uh, just to protect him here. He's a great guy. I, I, he's a great guy, but um, I won't give his name out. But he, uh, he said, um, ba- he said Chara really wants to go back-to-back. So from, we, honestly, we thought it was the funniest thing ever. The Bruins hadn't even won the first one yet, and he was already declaring they want to go back-to-back. It was the funniest thing ever. So that is where Chara's come from, folks. That is where the nickname Chara comes from. So, um, yeah, that is, it's truth time on Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. So anyway, the Rangers played the second end of the Chara against the Philadelphia Flyers on Friday. Um, I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch a ton of this game um, because uh, I had a couple options. Obviously, the Yankees were playing at the same time. So when the Yankees are playing, they get the TV. In very rare circumstances, do the Yankees not get the TV. So I was like, do I want to watch the Rangers on my iPad? Or do I want to watch Jacob DeGrom pitch against the Nationals? I think I kind of want to watch Jacob DeGrom pitch against the Nationals. So um, I, 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 st- I chose Jacob DeGrom. Boy, am I glad I chose Jacob DeGrom. We will talk about how dominant... He was in that start against the Nationals uh, in the outro. But uh, as a result, I didn't watch a ton of the Rangers game on Friday. But they did win. It was a big win. They won 4-1. Uh, Chris Kreider got the first goal at 6-0-2 in the first period. A power play goal. His 20th of the season, assisted by Fox and Panarin. Uh, Oscar Lindblom, he's a nice story. He's coming back from the cancer. So uh, everybody always, uh, everybody's rooting for Oscar Lindblom. Uh, he scored the goal that tied this uh Game for the Flyers in the first period, 647. That made it 1 1. But then from there, Rangers pretty much cruised. Pavel Buchnevich scored to make it 2 1, 756 in the, left in the first period. Assist by Lafreniere and Mika Zabanejad. And then no scoring in the second period, but in the third period, the Rangers put it away with two goals from the kids. Alexi Lafreniere, the number one pick in the draft, got his ninth goal of the season, 924 remaining in the third period, or 924 to go in the third period. Uh, no, 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 remaining, I'm sorry. He was assisted by Mika Zibanejad and Buchnevich. And then Philip Hedl put it away with 1340 remaining in the third period. Um, scoring his eighth goal of the season, assists by Panarin and Capococco. So that was a big win, and that was a big win. You know why? Because the Bruins lost. So like you, like you guys heard me say in the video I posted to the Upon Further Review with Brian Brand Facebook page, like I said in the podcast last week, it was really not looking good for the Rangers after um, losing that game on Thursday to the Flyers. It, I personally thought the season was over. 
But then, you know, on Friday night, positive results. Rangers win, Bruins lose. Rangers get a game closer on the Bruins. And momentum is good. Thank you, Buffalo Sabres, for beating the Boston Bruins. I really appreciate you beating the Boston Bruins on Friday night because you suck. You're you're a terrible hockey team, and you went out and beat our main competition for the playoffs right now. So thank you to the Buffalo Sabres for winning that game on uh, Friday. And thank you to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yes, I am actually saying thank you to the Pittsburgh Penguins for beating the Boston Bruins today. one nothing. A huge, uh, that's huge. That is a huge result. And um, I think the Rangers, uh, they definitely knew going into the game. They absolutely knew that the Bruins had lost. So I think they went into today's game against Buffalo, first end of the Chara. Um, by the way, now that you know what it means, uh, feel free to use it in everyday life. Uh, I was thinking of like maybe we could start calling like other things, like maybe back-to-backs in the NBA could be like, I don't know, a Mutombo or something. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just thinking randomly here. But uh, first end of the Chara was tonight against the Buffalo Sabres, and the Rangers crushed it in this one, folks. Um, started it out, Mika Zibanejad got his first goal, um, 17th of the season, assist by Ryan Lindgren and Alexi Lafreniere, 449 uh, into the first period. Uh, and then Buffalo tied it, Skinner got a goal to make it 1-1. Uh, but from there, Rangers Rangers scored the next three goals. Uh, actually, Capo Caco and Mika Zibanejad scored the next four goals for the Rangers. Um, Capo Caco broke the tie, 12-02 uh, into the first period. Um, assist by Heedle and uh, Adam Fox. By the way, Fox for Norris, folks. Yeah, I said it. He's the best defender in the hockey in the National Hockey League this year, as far as I'm concerned. I don't see a ton of the rest of the league, but Adam Fox has been absolutely killing it this year. They were talking about it. Sam and Joe on the MSG broadcast were like, Joe said, like, I wish I had a dollar for every time Sam says, uh, great play by Fox. Because, man, this kid just makes nothing but great plays. And they were saying that he is starting to get national attention on um, National Hockey Radio, which I guess would be Sirius XM. I don't know. But um, I guess it would be, he's starting to get attention uh, for the Norris Trophy, which is great. I love it. I, he's a great player. He's young. He's exciting. Everyone is an Adam Fox fan. And so, yeah, like I said, he got the assists on the Kako goal, 12-02. And then Mika Zibanejad scored a power play goal to make it 3-1, 17-10 uh, into the first period. Um, assist by Panarin and Adam Fox once again. Another assist for Fox, his 40th of the season at that point. He wasn't done. In the third period, in the second period, Rangers picked up right where they left off, and Mika got his hat trick early in this one, folks. His third hat trick of the season, the seventh of his career. Give it up for Mika Zibanejad, folks. He had the COVID. He worked his way back. Now he is taking, he's kicking ass and taking names right now for the Rangers. A, a beautiful hat trick in this one. So early, only two minutes into the second period, he'd already completed his hat trick. That made it 4-1, assist by Pavel Buchnevich, and like I said, Fox wasn't done. He got his 41st assist on the night. Buffalo scored one to make it 4-2, 14-47 in the second period. Uh, and then the third period, I thought this was the put-away goal by Capo Caco. It was his second of the game. Uh, I, Zach Jones got his first NHL point, I believe, on this with an assist, and uh, Pavel Buchnevich got his 24th assist. Um... So congrats to the kid Jones on his first NHL point. I remember uh, earlier in the week his parents were at his first game, so that's really cool to see. And he got the traditional rookie. Uh, you know how um, the hockey players, they'll always let the rookie go out on the ice first, and he'll like skate around, and they won't join him for a minute. They let the kid t- 
take it all in. Well, they gave the Zach Jones that treatment uh, in his first game earlier this week. That was really cool. Uh, Buffalo got one more to make it 5-3. It was a little nervy at times. Uh, Buffalo kept getting power plays. Uh, and uh, So it was, a, it was a little dicey at times. But uh, Rangers finally put it away. Kevin Rooney got the shorthanded empty net goal to make it 6-3. And that was it. Rangers win their second game in a row. It's a big one. Uh, like I said, Pittsburgh beat Boston earlier today. So um, this is a big win for the Rangers. And uh, they are now only two games behind the Boston Bruins for the last playoff spot. And still still some time left to go. Um, I'm going to give you the standings now for the Eastern Conference. So, whoa, as of right now, folks, the number one team in the East Division is not the Washington Capitals. It's not the New York Islanders. It's the Pittsburgh Penguins. 67 points. With their win today, they move into first place in the division, one point ahead of the Washington Capitals, uh, who have 66 points. Uh, they're right now, uh, Capitals and Islanders are in the middle of a three-game series right now. Um, for uh, uh, where, where it's, That's basically for seeding, um, honestly. Uh, these three games are basically for seeding, and the Capitals have won both of them so far. And they have three-point lead over the Islanders, who have 63 points in the third playoff spot, and the Boston Bruins have 60 points in the last playoff spot. The Rangers right behind them. They only have they're only four points behind. That's two wins. All they need is two Bruins losses and two Rangers wins. And the Rangers are right back in this thing, folks. I I, I feel bad because I said the season was done. I really, really feel bad for saying the season was over because it's not. The Rangers have a chance, folks. This this is a long way from over, I think. The Rangers have I think they can win several of their games coming up. They play the Sabres on Tuesday. That'll be the second end of the Chara. Um, that game's at 7 o'clock at MSG. Uh, and then after that, they will play the Islanders for a Chara. Uh, it's a split Chara. Uh, it's one game's at Madison Square Garden. The Thursday game on the 29th uh, will be at MSG. And then the Saturday game, which we will talk about on preview more in the next episode, uh, is a 7 o'clock game. That's at Nassau Coliseum. So after that... Just looking ahead, oh, folks, this is a Chara and a half. This isn't a Chara. This is a Chara and a half against the Islanders. They're playing three games in a row against the Isles next week. So they play, um, they play on two, Thursday. They play on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. No, no, no. I'm an idiot, folks. I, the schedule, ESPN is the worst. ESPN is the worst. They included a May game in the April schedule. So I thought it was three in a row. That's, I'm... Mm, I'm mad at ESPN right now, folks. They're wasting time on my podcast. It's just a regular Chara against the Islanders. Back-to-back, the games are Thursday and Saturday. So um, those games are big against the Islanders. Then after that, they play two games against the Capitals, who will still be playing for seeding at that point, I believe, in their division. Um, those games will be fun. Um, last two games of the season. They're both at Madison Square Garden, so that, that bodes well. And then this is the big one, folks. If the Rangers can get through that schedule, that very tough schedule, good, they have two games against the Boston Bruins at the end of the season. This is the path to the playoffs. It's not over yet, folks. This is a talented team. This is a good team. They can still make the playoffs. It's a long way from over. So, yeah, I just very quickly wanted to go over the Rangers' schedule uh, coming forth. I'm very happy they won tonight. Uh, the season's not over. I spoke too soon. I apologize. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes I'm a little, I jump the gun a little bit, uh, and I apologize. Um, but I thank you, uh, for bearing with me during that Rangers segment and let's go Rangers, you know, complete, sweep the char against Buffalo, win the second game tomorrow, 
uh, or on Tuesday, excuse me. Well, I guess it will be tomorrow by the time you guys hear this. And um, and then um, take care of business against the Isles. Win those two games. Or split. I, I think it will be more likely to be a split against the Islanders. But if they win two of those, they're right back in it. Just win every game possible, Rangers. All right, so that's your Rangers update. We're going to do things a little bit differently on today's Brian's Beloved. Um, instead of just talking about the Yankees, the Knicks, the Rangers, the three we normally talk about, I'm going to introduce a fourth team into the fold. That's right, folks. NYCFC coverage coming up right now. All right, folks. I'm going to do things a little bit differently on today's Brian's Beloved. We've already talked about the Knicks, the Yankees, and the Rangers. We're going to talk about a fourth New York club. One I am going to try and get into more this season, especially considering how I'm feeling about European soccer. You guys heard me talk about how how down I am on um, you know, clubs in the English Premier League lately because of what happened with the Super League. Well, um, I'm going to try and watch a lot more NYC FC this year. Um, I've been to games in the past when I still lived at home. Um, they're a lot of fun. I've, I, many times I've gone to uh, the official bar of NYC FC on the uh, Upper West Side, Ryan's Daughter. It's a great place. I've recorded. I've actually recorded podcast interviews there for the first incarnation of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. So uh, I am going to try. Like I, I have. This is what I'm going to do, folks. This is my soccer fandom now. I am going to try and follow NYC FC pretty much exclusively when it comes to soccer now. So they are a New York team. They play at Yankee Stadium. For those of you who don't know what NYC FC is, they're an MLS soccer club. They play at Yankee Stadium. It's it's not the most ideal situation in the world. I'll say that, uh, their stadium situation. Uh, I mean, personally, they, I know the fan, NYC FC fans have wanted to get a new stadium. They've wanted to get out of Yankee Stadium for a very long time, but... Um, they just haven't been able to find a new stadium. So that's your basic introduction to NYCFC. I'm not going to watch every game. I don't know if I can take that much MLS. I don't know if I can take watching them every single week. But I'll try and watch them when I can. And I'll, I, like I said, I know their commentators. I know Joe Tolleson. He was my boss at SiriusXMFC. He's a great guy. Um, and I also know Ian, Ian Joy a little bit too. He's a really, I don't know him that well, but he's a really nice guy. Like, he's super, super really nice guy. And so you root for people like that. They're really nice people. So I'm going to try and follow NYCFC a little bit this year. They had a great whipping today of uh, FC Cincinnati uh, at Yankee Stadium, their first win of the season. They routed them 5-0. I'm going to say nil. I'm going to say nil. Even though this is an American league and an American team, we're going to keep with the English terms here. We're going to say NYCFC won 5-0 in this game. I watched a good portion of it. I, I had it on my iPad while the Knicks game was going on. So it was kind of – I will say I was much more – I mean, you heard it in the Knicks segment. I, I'm, I'm much, I was much more locked into the Knicks game than the NYCFC game. But um, I did keep tabs on it, and uh, they put forth five great goals in this game. Uh, it started with Jesus Medina. Uh, he scored in the sixth minute. That got the scoring going. It was off a free kick. The ball kind of pinballed around in the box, eventually falling to Medina. He was onside. They showed the replay. He was clearly onside. He scores to make it 1-0. Uh, that was the only scoring in the first half. I know that's kind of surprising for a game that finished 5-0, but uh, that was pretty much it for the scoring in the first half. But then in the, uh, in the second, uh, NYCFC pretty much put the hammer down uh, on Cincy. FC Cincinnati is an expansion team. Uh, they just came into the league, I believe, two years ago, FC Cincinnati came into the league. So they And they're still not very good. No offense to Cincinnati. Uh, 
it, I'm sure it's a, f- a fine place, but not, I can't imagine too many soccer, like world's big time world soccer players, even at the end of their career, are going to be like, oh, I totally want to go play for FC Cincinnati. No offense to them. That's just how it is. That's just how it's going to be for them in the MLS. They're not LAFC. They're not NYCFC. They're not a big market club. So in the second half, uh, the scoring got started. It was an own goal from FC Cincinnati. Um, I was um, I was hoping that they would give Chano the goal because uh, he was it was close to him. It looked like it might have touched him, but uh, they did give uh, Cincinnati credit for the own goal. That made it two nil. Uh, Goodmunder Thorinson, I think that's how you say that. Uh, I had the game on mute today. Uh, sorry, Joe. <laughs> sorry, Joe. I was watching the Knicks. Um, Scored a great goal off a free kick in the 57th minute to make it 3-0 NYCFC. And Valentin Castellanos made it 4-0 in the 67th minute. And Jesus Medina, another great goal in the 83rd minute. That was the closing. That was the last one. That made it 5-0 NYCFC. So they bounced back. They lost on opening day of the MLS season to D.C. United at Audi Field. Come back, win their home opener. Their first game at Yankee Stadium in a very long time. I actually even remember at the end of the 2019 season, D, uh, NYCFC. I keep almost saying DC United because I'm almost I'm in DC, but uh, NYCFC. I remember their last uh, game of the 2019 season. It was a playoff game against Toronto. They had to play that game at City Field because the Yankees it was in October, and as you know, Yankee Stadium's a little occupied in October. Um, at least it was that year. So. Um, they, they, that was the last, they had not played at Yankee Stadium in a very long time. I'm sure it felt very good for the fans to be back at, at Yankee Stadium. Uh, like I said, even though it's not really a great home for them, um, I do um, I, I know that's because the sort supporters I, I've gone to a couple NYCFC games folks. The supporters are passionate and they make that stadium their home even if it is kind of weird with it being a baseball stadium. So uh, we'll talk about, uh, we'll, let's see what NYCFC has coming up um, in their upcoming schedule. Uh, they only have one game this week. Uh, it'll be next Saturday. Uh, we, we, won't, we, I, we won't be talking about NYCFC on Friday's episode because they don't have a game this week. But uh, their next game is next Saturday against the Philadelphia Union uh, in Philadelphia. So uh, Philadelphia has, in recent years, started to play better in the Eastern Conference. Um, they, they, for at the beginning of their inception, they weren't great, but they have lately gotten a lot better. So, um, that's going to be a tough game, but, um, NYC FC, um, I, I hope they'll be riding high off their victory today. Uh, clean sheet for Sean Johnson. He's the new captain this year. He's been around for a while with this club. He's one of the better goalkeepers in the MLS. So good for him. Uh, we'll see how they do against Philly on Sunday. And that pretty much does it for Brian's Beloved today, folks. Uh, thank you for listening to this great segment. I love talking about New York sports, folks. I really do. Like, I just feel at home when I'm talking. Like, I feel comfortable talking about New York sports. Like, they make me feel good. They really do. I, just one last thing I want, I want to go back to my comment on Cincinnati being a small market uh, and how that, how that'll work in the MLS. I was thinking about this today. The MLS is adding several and has already added several smaller market clubs to join their league. Lately, the MLS has been going through a bit of an expansion phase with um, adding new teams. Cincinnati came in two years ago. Um, Austin FC came in this year. Uh, I believe next year, Charlotte is getting their team. And I also believe St. Louis and Sacramento are both getting teams in the future as well. So those are smaller markets. 
uh, compared to obviously LA, New York, Miami, places like that. Miami just got a team recently too. Uh, that's obviously a much bigger market, and they're owned by David freaking Be- David freaking Beckham. So uh, of course people are going to want to play for them. But uh, I have a feeling these smaller market clubs, the Cincinnati's, the Austin's, the the Charlotte's, the St. Louis, the Sacramento's, they might struggle a little bit out of the gate. Um, they might struggle to attract some talent. But um, if they build it the right way, they'll have success. Because it's not like small. Mar- it's not like being a small market limits you to have success in the MLS. Columbus Crew won the MLS Cup last year. So, uh, and Columbus is not a huge market either. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much how the MLS works. It's not the best league in the world, but I, I, still, I still enjoy it uh, to an extent. And like I said, I guess this is pretty much my soccer fandom now, folks. I didn't even watch the Arsenal game on Friday. You, you look, if you have not seen this own goal Burn Leno gave up in the Arsenal game on Friday... Go look it up. Oh, it's painful. It's oh, it's so hard. It's a, oh, it's a howler of a mistake from Burn Leno. Oh man, I I, 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 you go look up this own goal from Leno. It's so bad. It's so bad. But anyway, that just about does it uh, for this week's edition of Brian's Beloved. Let's go into today's outro. One quick correction, folks. Ryan's daughter, the bar I mentioned, the NYCFC bar, is actually on the Upper East Side in Manhattan. Uh, it's, I'll give you the exact address. It's 350 East 85th Street. Uh, go check them out. Uh, take the new uh, Q 2nd Avenue subway uh, up to that part of Manhattan and go to Ryan's daughter. Uh, watch an NYCFC game. Drink a pint of Guinness. They make great food, too. They don't normally serve food um, Outside of NYCFC games, but they make this. Ooh, they make these wings. Ooh, they're so good. I can't recommend uh, the experience of watching an NYCFC game at Ryan's Daughter is a fantastic experience, and I can't recommend it enough. Uh, go check them out if you're ever in Manhattan. You ever want to watch an NYCFC game? Even if you're not watching an NYCFC game, Ryan's Daughter is a great place. I'm getting no money saying this at all. It's just one. I'm just giving a shout out to one of my favorite bars in all of Manhattan. One of my favorite bars in all the world, Ryan's Daughter. Go check them out, Upper East Side, 85th Street. Let's get into today's outro. All right, folks, it is time for today's outro. You know how the outro goes. We go through all the headlines in the sports world that we may have missed over the last couple of days. This first story... It's a New York story, and it's not really breaking news to anyone in New York, folks. Jacob deGrom is really freaking good. Like, I mean, Jacob deGrom is doing stuff that we is like, didn't even know was possible right now on a baseball mound. You heard me talk about it in the Rangers segment of Brian's Beloved. But uh, on Friday night, uh, I, it was, I was trying to figure out what to watch. The Rangers were playing... And the Mets were playing the Nationals. And I saw that DeGrom was on the mound. And I was like, sorry, Rangers. I, I think, you know, honestly, because I was going to watch the Yankees on my TV, obviously. I was looking for something to watch on my iPad. And as soon as I saw that DeGrom was pitching uh, against, the, uh, against the Nationals, I was like, I think I got to watch that game. I think that any Jacob DeGrom start is must-watch TV. And, uh, boy, 
No offense to the Rangers because they won that game on Friday night. But boy, I made the right decision. Jacob DeGrom was an animal on Friday night. Unbelievable on the mound. A two-hit, complete game. 15 strikeout performance against the Nationals. Not only did Jacob DeGrom strike out 15, only allowed two hits, he got two hits of his own! And drove in a run. What is there anything Jacob DeGrom can't do, folks? He's unbelievable. Mets fans, take it, like, watch every, you have to, this is must-watch TV every time Jacob DeGrom goes out on the mound. He's filthy. I feel bad for my friends who are Nationals fans because uh, they, they, I, I think a lot of them knew. Like, I, I think I was talking to Matt Prandoni, and I think even he was like, yeah, we're not winning tonight. Like, he was like, <laughs> like Jacob DeGrom's a cheat code. He has a 0.31 ERA. The only thing lower is uh, uh, Bluto's uh, GPA in Animal House. 0.0. This guy's just a beast, man. I really, I just really wanted to carve out. Because I love great pitching. You guys have heard, you heard me talk about how much I love Cole. And how much I just love every time Cole pitches for the Yankees. Jacob DeGrom is better than Cole. He just is. I'm sorry. He just is. We are witnessing one of the best pitchers to ever do it, honestly. One of the most dominant stretches we've ever seen from any pitcher in the game of baseball is what Jacob DeGrom is going through right now. Michael Edgley said it on a DC Who That Way because he talked about it uh, too. But Jake, there's no, like, look, I don't want to give out awards in April. I don't think Jacob, I, I, I really think Jacob's got the Cy Young locked up. I really do. Uh, I, I don't see any way anyone's going to beat him. In my original season preview with Ethan Winter, uh, I said that Max Scherzer would be the Cy Young. Maybe that was because I didn't want to pick DeGrom. Maybe that was because I didn't want to pick a Met. It, Jacob DeGrom is the best pitcher in the National League. It's not even close. He's on, like, he's on a different level. He's on a whole nother plane right now. So I just wanted to give, like, I just wanted to have a little Jacob DeGrom appreciation here. You guys know I'm not a Mets fan. Um, I'm not a Mets fan by any means, even though I have been watching them a little bit more lately uh, for various reasons. I've got friends who are big Mets fans. I want to, I want them to be happy. So um, that's one of the reasons I've been watching the Mets a lot more lately. But I am going to, it's appointment viewing, folks. I got, I can't miss another DeGrom start at this point. Like, it's just too good. Like, I have to watch every Jacob DeGrom start. And imagine if we got a Cole versus DeGrom matchup in the Subway Series this year. That would be amazing. Two of the best pitchers in baseball going head-to-head. The city would be electric for that matchup. Obviously, I'd be rooting for Cole, but it would be really tough against Jacob DeGrom because he's so freaking good. So yeah, Jacob DeGrom appreciation. I love great pitching. Great pitching, uh, to me, is just fantastic. I don't talk about the Mets a whole lot on this podcast, but I, I had to talk about Jacob, man. He's so good. He's so good. Can't wait for his next start. I'm definitely going to watch his next start, for sure. I, I don't know who, they're, who it's against. Uh, I, 
I have a feeling if his team scores for him, that's the other thing too. His team never scores for him. That's got to be the most frustrating thing possible for Jacob DeGrom. He goes out there every night, pitches great games, amazing, amazing games that you've never seen before in your life, yet his team never scores for him and he gets a million freaking no decisions. It's, it's, it sucks. I feel so bad for the guy. But uh, he won this one against the Nationals on Friday, and uh, great dominant effort. I will give a shout-out to my friends who are Nats fans. Um, they did win today. I'm recording this on Saturday night. They won today. They actually beat up on Marcus Stroman pretty good. But, um, yeah, I, I just I just wanted to give a little shout-out to Jacob DeGrom. All right, let's move into our, our next story uh, here in the outro. I thought this was interesting, and I actually think this is a long time coming. I never really understood why um, jerseys in the NFL were, like, why you had to wear a certain number. Like, you know, wide receivers always had to wear a certain number, or quarterbacks had to wear a certain number. Well, the NFL is doing away with that, and I am very excited about it. Uh, Here's the article I have. This is from the NFL's website. So, straight from the source, as they say. Uh, Here we go. NFL fans, get ready for a trove of jersey number change fun. NFL Network's Tom Pelissero reports that the NFL owners approved the proposal on changes to jersey numbers per sources informed of the situation. The proposal submitted by the Kansas City Chiefs adjusts the restriction, uh, adjust, adjusted the restriction on who can wear which jersey numbers. Specifically, the approval unlocks the number of players eligible to wear single-digit numbers, which had been cu- previously been relegated to quarterbacks, kickers, and punters. The expanded jerseys will allow running backs, tight ends, fullbacks, H-backs, and wide receivers to wear numbers 1 through 49 and 80 through 89. Defensive backs can choose from 1 through 49. Linebackers can choose from 1 through 59 and 90 to 99. Offensive linemen, 50 to 79. And defensive linemen, 50 to 79 and 90 to 99. Quarterbacks, kickers, and punters will remain at 1 through 19. Expanded practice squads due to COVID-19 led to some number issues for certain clubs last year. Participating precipitating that the number use change. A plethora of players, a lot of P's, could look to change numbers, particularly skill position players and defensive backs who might move to single digits numbers they wore in college or younger years. So yeah, uh, I think this is great. I think this is a long time coming. I never understood it at all why the NFL had these jersey restrictions. It's just another stupid thing from the NFL that I personally think makes no sense. Uh, I I don't I don't like it at all. I, I I never understood it at all. But they got rid of it. Shout out to the Kansas City Chiefs for being the ones who are like this. This rule is stupid. We don't need this in our league. Um, yeah. Uh, so a lot of players are going to change numbers. Like the article said, get ready for it because a lot of players are going to change numbers. The first one that came to mind for me was Odell Beckham because uh, he was three in college and he always loved the number three. I remember from his time with the Giants. And so I, I have a feeling the first player to come to mind for me is that Odell Beckham is probably going to switch from 13 to 3. Um, and I'll be interested to see. I think a lot of players are going to switch numbers and go back to their college numbers. Because in college, you can wear whatever the hell you want. Like, you can wear whatever number you want. It doesn't matter. Um, now that these number restrictions have been loosened up, I expect a lot of wide receivers in single digits. Um, I expect a lot of... Um, Let's see here. I expect uh, a lot of um, linebackers to go to the 90s as well. I think that it'll take. I think it'll um, be an adjustment um, at first. I just watched Luka Doncic nail a nice three against the Lakers. Uh, that should be the dagger. They're up two minutes left in this one. They're up by ten. Uh, but back to the the jersey, uh, the jersey numbers. Um, I um, 
I think a lot of guys are going to switch numbers. I think there's a lot of people are going to be buying new jerseys. I think this is going to this is another thing that's going to make a lot of money for the NFL, a league that has billions of dollars as it is. So, um, yeah, it's 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 definitely partially a money thing. There's definitely partially some money involved. There's definitely a, a money element to this as well as to why they did it. They want to make a little more a little more cash, a little more a little more money, but. Um, I do think I always thought the like I said I always thought the jersey restrictions were dumb. There was no point for them, and um, that's that's just about it. I I, I really uh, I'm glad they're um, that they're changing this now. One I have one other NFL story here I wanted to talk about uh, also uh, for the draft that is coming up this week. Uh, draft is on Thursday um, Thursday night. Uh, Arun and I I thought we did a very nice job uh, previewing it. Uh, on Friday's episode, especially Arun, uh, great job, Arun. Uh, you did you did a great job on Friday. I really appreciate it. Uh, but this year at the draft, um, now the draft is back to normal. Um, it's in person. There's going to be a lot of players there. It's in Cleveland, actually. It's in Cleveland. Um, so um, there's going to be a lot of players there. And Roger Goodell, uh, they just announced this. He's been fully vaccinated, and uh, he can. They, as they said, the players can basically do whatever they want with Roger Goodell when they're picked. Uh, they can dap him up, they can give him a hug, they can even kiss him on the mouth if they want to. So um, uh, that's good. I think we kind of missed that. That's always been one of the fun parts of the draft. I don't like Roger Goodell at all. I said that on the last episode too. I can't stand Roger Goodell. I think he's a terrible human being. But um, I, I, I do think it's kind of funny how. When uh, these NFL players are, when these college kids get drafted into the NFL, they're so happy, man. They're just, they just. Roger Goodell's the first person they see, and so he just, he, they usually just wrap him up in like a big old bear hug. So um, I'm excited for that. I think that was missed last year. Last year's draft was very weird. I do appreciate last year's NFL draft because it was the first real sporting event that any of us had to look forward to in such a long time. Like remember. How crappy those first, like that first month, those first two months of um, quarantine was without sports. Then the NFL draft came and it was like, okay, great. Sports are back. I was like, yeah, sports are back. The NFL draft was a huge moment for that. But we definitely missed, I really do think that's like such a happy moment for the guys. Um, They they dap up Roger Goodell, give him a little bit of a hug. I love that, and I'm glad that we're going to have that this year. I'm glad Roger Goodell got his vaccine. Um, Hope he's part of the Pfizer gang. Gang, gang. Um, But, yeah, um, I'm glad that that is a tradition that's going to return next year. I've seen the setup for the draft this year. It looks like they are going to do it as socially distant as possible. Um, Trevor Lawrence, I don't think is going to attend, even though he's the presumed number one pick in the draft. Good for him. You know, I think that's a moment I'd rather spend with my family too, personally. So, uh, good for him for that one. Tim was telling me about Trevor Lawrence's brother, uh, offline. Tim Clark was telling me about Trevor Lawrence's brother and he's like a hippie. Like I, I wasn't expecting this at all, but Trevor Lawrence's brother is apparently like some kind of major hippie. So, um, yeah, uh, his I, Trevor Lawrence won't be there, but a lot of players will. And if they're there, they can just dap up, hug, whatever with Roger Goodell. Uh, I think that's a good story. And uh, I think the setup in Cleveland will be good. Looks like COVID protocols are in place. Should be awesome. Stay tuned for the draft on Thursday night, folks. All right, we've got one final NFL story before we move into some other sports. Uh, it's a trade. 
Uh, it's an interesting trade. Uh, I was a little intrigued by this move. I was a little surprised by it, to be honest. I talked to Tim Clark about it because it involved his Baltimore Ravens. He was a little surprised about this move, too. Uh, here's the article from ESPN.com. In a major trade between AFC powers, the Baltimore Ravens sent Pro Bowl offensive tackle Orlando Brown Jr. to the Kansas City Chiefs, the teams announced Friday. The deal also gives Baltimore an additional first-round pick, sources told ESPN's Adam Schefter. The Ravens acquired three picks in next week's NFL Draft this week now, by the time you'll be listening. A first-rounder, number 31 overall, a third-rounder, number 94 overall, and a fourth-rounder, number 136 overall, as well as a fifth-round selection in 2022, the source said. Chiefs, the Chiefs are getting a starting left tackle in Brown, with sources saying Kansas City will also, let ba- will also get Baltimore's second-round pick in 2021, number 58 overall, and a sixth-rounder in 2022. Baltimore have been open to trading Brown since he tweeted on January 29th, I am a LEFT, LEFT is in all caps, TACKLE. Brown, who filled in for injured left tackle Ronnie Stanley for the last 11 games last season, indicated that his late father wanted him to play left tackle and they wanted to fill that dream. So, yeah, I sounds like the Ravens needed to move on from Brown. Um, sound like that he wanted to be a left tackle and that the Ravens weren't going to give him that opportunity because Ronnie Stanley is going to come back next year. So it sounded like a move needed to be made. But the thing I don't understand about this trade, folks, why are you trading one of your best offensive linemen to one of your main competition in the AFC. The Baltimore Ravens are a damn good team. They've won a playoff game last year. They, they played Buffalo tough in that second round. Um, maybe if Lamar Jackson doesn't get hurt at the end of the game, maybe things go a little bit differently, but um, who knows. But um, they are a good team. They're a playoff team. And Kansas City, as we all know, went to the Super Bowl last year. They won the Super Bowl uh, the year before that. They are one of the best teams in the AFC for sure. So uh, the thing I don't really understand about this trade is why are the Ravens trading uh, Brown to the Chiefs? Like, if I were the Ravens, I would have sent him as like I would have sent him as far away from Baltimore as possible, so that way that trade doesn't come back to bite you in the ass later. Like, say say the Kansas City Chiefs are playing the Ravens in the playoffs, and Brown has a great game blocking the Chiefs, uh, the Ravens' offensive uh, defensive line. Like, that will definitely come back to haunt the Ravens in the future. Like, that could that could come back to haunt them, for sure. I talked to Tim Clark about this, because, uh, as you guys know, Tim Clark is a huge Baltimore Ravens fan. And um, he seems a little conflicted, too, I think. Um, I think he was a little confused like me at first. He was like, that's, that's, that, he, his eyebrow was raised, too. But um, I think, um, I think it's good that they got a first-round pick, um, to get a first-round pick for a disgruntled offensive lineman is pretty good. When you've and so they will more than I would have to guess the Ravens are gonna with one of their first-round picks. Now they have two first-round picks uh, in the Thursday's draft. Uh, so I would imagine they're gonna draft an offensive lineman with one of those picks for sure. Uh, I was t- another thing I was talking to Tim about uh, today about this trade was he thought that a potential replacement for, um, for Brown uh, would be Alejandro Villanueva, which I think would be an interesting move. Uh, he's a good offensive lineman, but I think that would polarize a lot of fans uh, because he's a former Steeler, of course, and you know the Ravens and the Steelers hate each other. 
but also, you know, his whole political, uh, the, the, polit- the politics that'll come along with signing Alejandro Villanueva, they may not want to be any part of that. Um, is something I think they'll consider for sure. But I think he would be a good replacement for sure. I think he's a good player if they put all the politics and the all that stuff to the side that comes along with Alejandro Villanueva. He could be a good player for the Ravens. But yeah, I just wanted to say um, very quickly that this trade happened, basically. Uh, I wanted to make note of it. Um, it's a little surprising, I think, just because of um, that the fact that it's two top teams in the AFC trading with each other. Um, it's a little a little surprising, I'd say. But uh, I think it's a good... I think, personally, this could be a move that works out for both teams. One of the things we've talked about over the last couple of years has been the Chiefs' offensive line. And last, and we talked about in this year's Super Bowl how kind of banged up they were going into that game against Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay kind of... Their defensive line kind of just manhandled them in that game. Um, well, man, now they're building up their offensive line a little bit more. Patrick Mahomes, I saw after this trade, he even tweeted like a little smiley emoji. Uh, so he's fired up. Um, yeah, I think this is a, a good trade that could possibly work out for both teams. I just wanted to mention it very briefly. Let's move into some other non-NFL stores. All right, folks, we're going to do things a little bit differently in today's outro. Now, folks, I love the schedule update. I, I love... Get telling people what games to watch or what games you can watch on a certain day in a certain league. I, I love keeping people informed. We're gonna we're gonna switch things up a little bit now going forward. I'm introducing a brand new segment called Picks to Click. These are what it's gonna basically be is I'm gonna go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I'm gonna give you one game in the NBA, the Major League Baseball, and the NHL from that day. And I'm going to tell you what if I think it if it's the game. I'm going to tell you it's the game to watch. It's the basic point. I'm going to tell you the game I'm telling you that day is the game to watch. Some for some of them, I have two games that I think are good that day. Um, but I personally think this is better than just going through every single game that's going to be played um, over the next couple of weeks. I mean that just takes forever. So um, we'll start with Monday. Uh, we'll start with Monday in the NBA. I know I'm biased, folks. I really think the Suns-Knicks game is the best game of the day on Monday in the NBA. It's at 7.30. It's on NBA TV. You can, be, you can watch it nationally if you don't have MSG. You can. This is a good game to watch. Knicks are coming into this game on a nine-game winning streak. Phoenix Suns are one of the top teams in the West. I'm watching them right now as I record this outro. I'm watching them play the Nets in a very close game at Barclays Center. Very good game. Um, so maybe the Suns will be tired. Uh, maybe there's going to be a fatigue factor for Phoenix. It's the last game of a very long road trip for them. Let's go Knicks in this one, folks. Let's see if the Knicks can make it 10 in a row. That game is on 7.30 on NBA TV. That is my game to watch in the NBA on Monday. In Major League Baseball on Monday, I have two games for you here. Uh, I think Cubs-Braves. I, in general, when it comes to Major League Baseball, I was when, it, when I was picking the games to watch for certain days, it came down to... Um, what was the best pitching matchup or who the best pitcher on the mound was. Uh, and the best pitcher on the mound in Monday night's slate of games in Major League Baseball is probably Charlie Morton. Um, he's, a you know, I think a very underrated pitcher. He was very good with Tampa Bay and the Astros. Now he's with the Braves. And uh, so I think Morton will, be, um, will have a good start in that one against the Cubs. Um, and the other game to watch is Phillies Cardinals. Uh, I believe Adam Wainwright is on the mound for the Cardinals in that one. Um, 
So go check that one out as well. I still have love for D.D. Gregorius and Joe Girardi, the Phillies manager. So um, that's why I'm telling you to go take a look at that game. Now, in the NHL, I had one, but I deleted it. I hated it when I hate when that happens. Uh, I hate when when you make a mistake like that. So I'm looking through the slate of games right now, and I'm going to give a little bit of love to my good friend Adrian Rutherford, big time Edmonton Oilers fan. I think the game to watch that night is the Oilers and the Winnipeg Jets. 56 points for the Oilers, 57 points for the Jets. That's a good one, folks. Those are two playoff teams in the NHL. Check that one out, and uh, Adrian, good luck in that one to your Oilers. In Tuesday's slate of games, I think the best NBA game is the Mavericks and the Warriors, just maybe because I love Luka Doncic and Steph Curry. That game is nationally televised. It's on TNT. One thing, I, I just want to make one thing, I uh, want to point something out when it comes to these picks to click. Uh, the reason I came up with that, that name was um, I do want to incorporate a gambling element into this at some point. Um, I'm not a gambling man myself, but I know a lot of people out there are. Uh, I've been listening to a lot more podcasts recently that incorporate gambling elements. So uh, it's a big deal. You can't ignore sports gambling. Um, so I'm hoping to maybe make more gambling elements in this picks, picks to click segment uh, of the outro moving forward. But um, basically the reason I didn't do it this time was I went to look for all the lines and, um, and the odds and whatnot. And a lot of them hadn't been posted yet. You know, I'm not, I'm not a huge sports betting expert, but um, I think it is still kind of early for a lot of these games. So that's why we aren't incorporating gambling into it this time, but we will be in the future, uh, hopefully. And maybe I can get some gambling experts on to help me break, break this down. Uh, the best Major League Baseball game on Tuesday. It's got, uh, this goes out to my friends who are Nationals fans. Mad Max is on the hill for you. The game's in Dunedin. I'm hoping, as a Yankee fan... Scherzer goes in and beats the Blue Jays, shuts them down the way Jacob deGrom did to the Nationals on Friday. So um, Open Scherzer does that because I need the Toronto Blue Jays to lose as many games as possible. And the best hockey game of the day on on, uh, Tuesday is the Islanders and the Capitals. They are playing for the third straight time. Capitals won the first two games of that Chara and a half. Um, First one was in a shootout. It was a scoreless game. It went to the shootout. Caps won. Uh, second game, Alex Ovechkin was out, but his replacement sprung. I don't even know his first name. He scored the two goals in that game to give the Caps the win. So now the Caps have a little bit of a lead on the Islanders when it comes to uh, points in the playoff positioning. But, um, th- yeah, this is uh, the third game of the Char and a half. So uh, keep an eye on it. I know Robbie Gross will be watching this game. I have a feeling Tim Clark will be watching this game. I have a feeling Adrian Rutherford will be watching this game. I have a feeling a lot of my friends are going to be watching this Caps. Pat Honan, from the Islander side of things, I have a feeling Pat Honan will be watching this game. Uh, So, yeah, that's a good one for uh, Tuesday. That's a good Tuesday pick to click. Now, on Wednesday, um, speaking of Pat Honan, um, I was talking to him last night about this segment. and how I was going to do it moving forward. And he was like, I was like, yeah, I, I, I can't wait. I'm talking about all these games. Like Clippers Suns on Wednesday is a good one. And I didn't even notice Clippers Suns the first time I was going through all the schedules. So I appreciate Pat Honan pointing out that game to me that it is happening uh, in the NBA on Wednesday. That is one of my picks to click uh, on Wednesday. That game's at 1030. I believe it's nationally televised. So if you want to stay up late for the East Coast people, if you want to stay up late, Check that one out. But for an early game, a much more manageable game that I know for a fact is on ESPN, check out the Lakers versus the Wizards. The Wizards have been red hot lately. 
uh, trying to get into the play-in. And if they do get into the play-in, watch out, folks. The Wizards, I think, could be a dangerous team in the play-in. So um, they're trying to win every game possible. The Lakers are obviously the defending champs. The Wizards don't get a ton of national exposure. So that's why I picked them uh, in my pick-to-click for Wednesday's NBA game. Now, in Major League Baseball, what did I say just minutes ago, folks? When Jacob deGrom is pitching, it's must-watch TV. And Jacob deGrom will be pitching against the Boston Red Sox that night at Citi Field. Game's at 640. Be there. Even though I hate both of those teams, I'm still going to keep that game on my iPad. Actually, no. Sorry. That game's not... I can't... The Knicks and Yankees are playing that night. I, I can't watch that game, unfortunately. But I will keep tabs on it. Um, if, I, if I didn't have the Knicks or Yankees playing, that would probably be a game I would check out. Um... But yeah, it's a good matchup. Jacob DeGrom's amazing. Uh, go check it out. Now, in the NHL, we've got two of the best teams. They come from the same division, Colorado versus Vegas. Uh, basically, both of them are going to make the playoffs. They both have over 60 points, but it's all about seeding in that division. So it's a big game. Uh, when it comes to seeding, they're going to be fighting for it. Uh, that is a very tasty NHL matchup. It's at 9.30 on NBC Sports Network. Those are the Wednesday picks to click. Now, on Thursday in the NBA, there was not a whole lot of good games. Honestly, the only halfway decent game I could find was the Nets versus the Pacers. Um, that'll be Karis Levert's, I believe, return to the Barclays Center, hopefully. Um, I don't know if he's hurt, but um, that would be nice for Karis Levert to get a nice return to the Barclays Center. I was always a big Levert fan. Um, I was bummed when the Nets traded him because I, I thought he was a, you know, one of the last links to the pre-Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Hardness shit show that is the Brooklyn Nets now. Um, I thought he was one of the last links to that, so I was a little bummed when they traded him. So um, I hope he uh, has a nice... If he is playing, I hope he has a nice game against the Nets in that one. Uh, that game's at 7 o'clock. I believe it'll be on uh, the Yes at, it'll be on the yes Network um, in New York. Uh, check it out. Um, now, in Major League Baseball, I had to pick the game I'm going to. Now, when I originally did the picks to click, I thought Cole was pitching, but according to MLB.com, it's Montgomery. Either way, Montgomery is a great pitcher, um, or at least he has a lot of potential. And honestly, I'm going to this game, so I have to pick it. It has to be the game to watch of the day. So Yankees-Orioles at 1 o'clock, you know, check it out. Uh, if you're interested, Yankees hopefully will win that series. Uh, and take care of business. And the NHL pick to click on Thursday is the Penguins and the Capitals. Great rivalry. You guys know my friends who are Capitals fans. Hate, with a capital H, the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, that that rivalry is as fierce as it gets in hockey. Those two teams hate each other. There's a lot of bad blood between the Penguins and the Caps. So that is your NHL. And plus, Anytime Crosby and Ovechkin go at it, it's a great matchup. It's a great night. Hopefully, Ovechkin will be back by then. Uh, he, Like I said, he was out of the Islanders game on Saturday. Um, so I'm hoping Ovechkin will be back in the lineup by the time that game rolls around on Thursday. Because anytime Ovechkin and Crosby match up, it's exciting. So uh, those are your picks to click for Monday through Thursday in the NBA, the NHL, and Major League Baseball. Before we wrap up today's show, folks, I just have to um, offer my condolences to um, two people who unfortunately passed um, in the last week. Um, just very, very tragic, honestly. Uh, first off, uh, Terrence Clark. Uh, he was a former Kentucky basketball player. Um, he only played with Kentucky in this one season, 2020 to 2021. 
he died in a car crash uh, in Los Angeles this past week. He's only 19 years old. A uh, quote from John Calipari, I am absolutely gutted and sick tonight. A young person who we all love has just lost his life too soon, one with all his dreams and hopes ahead of him. Terrence Clark was a beautiful kid, someone who owned the room with his personality, smile, and joy. People gravitated to him, and to hear we have lost him is just hard for all of us to comprehend right now. We are all in shock. I am on my way to Los Angeles to be with his mother and his brother to help wherever I can. This will be a difficult period for all those who knew and loved Terrence, and I would ask that everyone take a moment tonight to say a prayer for Terrence and his family. May he rest in peace. Clark signed with Kentucky as one of the prize jewels of his 2020 recruiting class, but missed most of the season with an ankle injury. After being sidelined for more than three months, he returned to the 2021 SEC tournament to record 10 minutes in a 74-73 loss to Mississippi State. He appeared in eight total games and made six starts. A potential first-round pick in this year's draft, Clark was in Los Angeles preparing for the 2021 NBA draft following a one-and-done season with the Wildcats. Clark was the only occupant in a vehicle that ran a red light going at a very high rate of speed in the San Fernando Valley area at approximately 2.10 p.m. local time. Los Angeles Police Department Sergeant John Matassa said his, his vehicle collided with another preparing to turn left and hit a street light pole and then a block wall. He was later taken to, North, he was taken to Northridge Medical Hospital and uh, pronounced dead. The other driver of the vehicle involved in the crash did not claim any injuries. Police said that Clark was not wearing his seatbelt properly. This is just tragic. I mean, he was an NBA. He sounded like he was going to the pro. He was going pro. Um, and I just feel for his family, his mother, everybody who knew uh, Terrence Clark. I just sounded like he was a great kid. Everybody in the sports world was treating, was tweeting their condolences to Clark and his family. Even LeBron James tweeted his condolences. Terrence Clark and his family. So I thought um, I was really sad to see this news. I actually um, I, I had heard that he was from. Uh, I actually heard the Boston Red Sox of all people had a moment of silence for Terrence Clark. Uh, apparently he was from Boston, so that's a really classy. You know, I don't give the Red Sox credit for a lot of things. That was a very classy gesture from the Boston Red Sox to give Terrence Clark a moment of silence. So uh, I will give them that. That was very nice of them. And uh, rest in peace to Terrence Clark. Just tragic loss. We'll never know how good he was, man. He, who knows? Terrence Clark could have been one of the greats. <sighs> it's just sad, sad news. Um, okay, so uh, unfortunately, we also lost another, um, another great, another great rapper, man. Another somebody who's had a huge influence on the rap game. Shock G. I'll read you the article from CNN here. Rapper Shock G, also known as Humpty Hump of the hip hop group Digital Underground, has died at age 57. When not using his stage name, he was known as Gregory Edward Jacobs. His digital underground groupmate Chopmaster J posted the news Thursday night to Instagram. 34 years ago, almost to the day, we had a wild idea we can be a hip-hop band and take on the world. Through it, through it all, the dream became reality, and the reality became a nightmare for some. And now he's awakened from the fame. Long live Shock G, a.k.a. Humpty Hump, and rest in peace, my brother Greg Jacobs. Fellow artists took to social media to express their shock and sadness over the news. Rapper Ice Cube wrote, Rest in peace, Shock G slash Humpty Hump. I remember when NWA's road manager at Atron said that he had a group called Digital Underground. He played do what he played the Do What You Like video, and I went crazy. I had to sample Digital Underground on Jackin' for Beats and Who's the Mac, and nobody had a better stage show. A true Bay Area original. Viola Davis wrote, Rest in peace, Shock G. Thanks for the joy you gave me. Rest well. 
I want to tell you how big Shock G's impact on the hip-hop game goes, folks. If it weren't for Shock G, we may never have Tupac. If it weren't for Digital Underground, Tupac's career never gets off the ground. Tupac was a roadie for Digital Underground. They brought him on tour with him, and eventually they discovered his rap talents. They put him on a song, and Tupac the legend grew from there. Tupac and Shock G always had a connection. The song I Get Around by Tupac, one of my favorite Tupac songs. You know the piano at the beginning. Do, 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 do. That really nice piano. Shock G is playing that piano, folks. That is Shock G playing the piano. And then he comes through with a killer verse on that song. But what I think most people know Shock G for, I would say, is his time as Humpty in the digital underground. I mean, his persona as wearing those those big-ass glasses and that huge nose. I mean, it was a larger-than-life persona. It was one of the first real rap personas that was out there. And, um... So without Shock G, hip-hop isn't what it is today. He's a legend. He's an icon. And I would, I would not be doing this show justice if I didn't end the show like this. Playing from Brian's iPhone. Alright, stop what you're doing, because I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you're used to. I look funny. But yo, I'm making money, see? So yo, world, I hope you're ready for me. Now gather round. I'm the new fool in town, and my sound's laid down by the underground. I'm drinking a bottle of Hennessy you got on your shelf. So just let me introduce myself. My name is Humpty, pronounced with the Humpty. Yo, ladies, oh, how I like to funk thee. And all the rappers in the top ten, please allow me to bump thee. I'm stepping tall, y'all, and just like Humpty Dumpty, you're gonna fall when the stereos pump me. I like to rhyme, I like my beats funky, I'm spunky. I like my oatmeal lumpy, I'm sick with this, straight gangster Mac, but sometimes I get ridiculous, I'll eat up all your crackers and your licorice, oh yo fat girl, come here, are you ticklish, yeah, I call you fat, look at me, I'm skinny, it never stopped me from getting busy, I'm a freak, I like the girls with the boom, I once got busy in a Burger King bathroom, I'm crazy, allow me to amaze thee, they say I'm ugly but it just don't faze me, I'm still getting in the girls' pants and I even got my own dance, One of the best opening lyrics in all of hip-hop history. I know it's silly, I know it's ridiculous, but it is so good. It goes hard. I love it. Rest in peace to Shock G. What a difficult couple of weeks it has been for the rap community, folks. DMX two weeks ago. Black Rob last week, a Harlem legend. And now, Humpty. Ah, this is this is a rough one. Rest in peace, Shock G. Um... You, your impact on hip-hop cannot be understated. And um, thank you for the memories. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at UFRWBB. Follow me personally on Twitter at bbry1991. Stay tuned for the Friday episode. I'm going to try and have a guest for that one. I'm not sure who it's going to be yet, but hopefully we'll have a guest for that one. And that just about does it for today's episodes, folks. Rest in peace to Terrence Clark. Rest in peace to Shock G, a.k.a. Humpty. And I will talk to you next time.